Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. We are dead to leave. We are dead to leave. I want to first of all say that, see, in the Christendom, we only die once. Those that are Christians die once. But the problem at times is that people do not understand when we die. In the Christendom, we are dead. That is why when you read the Bible, when you see when people are taking, when people get hold and they pass on, the, the Bible does not write that glory. The Bible will not say they died. It will say they slept. Because at that point in time, they are, they, were just, they are just sleeping to wake up at the other side. But the Bible talks that when you give your life to Christ, that is when you died. That's why a Christian is only allowed to die once. So we don't, it is, don't get me wrong, yes, the Bible, Jesus also mourned when, when John the Baptist was, but, but, pastor, but the Bible says that we don't mourn like people who have no clue. That's why when you read Colossians chapter 3, verse 3, they, um, Paul says that, he said, you are dead. So say, for you died, and your life is hidden in Christ, in Christ God. He said, for you died. So that means I was talking to people and he said, you are already dead. You are dead people. So for us in the Christendom, it is not when somebody lies down and cannot wake up. That is what we call, we call, we, we call death. As far as we are concerned, the day you come before Christ, you are already dead. That is important. For us to understand. Why? Because, because that is the only way anything grows in the kingdom of God. Jesus said, he was talking about the kingdom of God in Mark chapter 4, verse 32 to 32. He says, and he said, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God to? Or with what parable shall we picture it? He said, it is like a mustard seed. When it is sown on the ground, it is smaller than all the seeds on the earth. But when it is sown, it grows up, becomes a, a um, becomes, grows up, becomes a greater than all herbs, shoots, and, uh, and shoots out all light branches so that the birds of the hair may rest on it. But I want you to take note of this. He said the kingdom of God is like a seed. But the challenge there is that no matter how much you pray and fast on that seed, and you say seed in the name of Jesus, you will become a, a great tree. He said that except that seed is put into the ground, it still remains the same thing. It still remains exactly the same thing. 
And that's what we will be, we will be pouring up, we will be asking God to guide us through as we go. John chapter, John chapter 12. Let's see what Jesus said about himself. From verse 23 to 26. He says, But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of God should be glorified. That is 23. He says, Jesus said, You know, I'm, I'm about to be glorified. Oh, it's going to be glorious. You would expect that when he said it is the time to be glorified, you would think they would bring, um, they would just set up a stage for him and he'll walk onto it. He said, Most assuredly, I say unto you, except a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much more grain. Jesus is saying that I am like a seed. I have potentials inside of me. But except that seed falls into the ground and dies, that seed cannot achieve anything. And Jesus went on and said, he who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his his life in this world will keep eternal life. What is Jesus talking about? He's saying, I see there. The, the, see, when you see, him, um, he likened himself to the seed of wheat. But he's saying, I see, in that, in that wheat, you can see, see, you can, you can act a, what's it called now, um, a farmer, and a farmer can analyze to you that seed in your hand. This is what that seed can become. It will become great. It will become, he can feed this whole place, this whole, this whole land. That is how prophecies are like, at times is to us. God is saying, this is what I'm saying, this is what I'm saying, this is what I'm saying. But as long as that seed is kept away, and that seed is not taken to the ground, and it dies, that seed will only have all the potentials inside it, and will never achieve anything. One thing I also want to say as I begin to lay this foundation is that I want you to know that you, I am describing you now as a seed. I'm describing you as a seed. Forget about, um, let's talk, we're looking at you. You as a seed before God. Now see what Jesus was saying about himself in John chapter 10 verse 17 and 18. He said, therefore the father loves me. This is why God loves me. It's not because I'm his son. He said the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. Please notice what he said. Nobody takes it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up. Everybody that has a seed has the power within themselves to lay it down and to take it from, from God. So you as a seed, God is saying, I, I don't have the strength to force you to do anything. You have to decide to say, I am going to lay down my own, my own seed. 
I am going to lay down my life as a seed. Jesus said, I have the right. He said, this is why God loves me. Because I choose. Not that he compels me. I choose. See, at times people go, no, God knows I love him. God doesn't know. There is nowhere in the scriptures where the Bible validates love by expression of I love you. In fact, Jesus speaks against it. An example, Peter. Jesus said, do you love me? Peter said, ah, I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep, act. He said, Peter, do you love me? I love you. And you know, there's so many Christians who go, I love God. God knows I love him. He doesn't know. <laughs> See, there are things whereby, you know, for example, there is what is called love languages. If you see a Western girl and you buy her flowers, she loves it. If you go to our village and that somebody flower, people ask you, what am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> what am I supposed to do with this? And as far in the language of God, Love expression is not raising up your hand and saying, I love you. It doesn't understand that. The Bible said, for God so loved the world that he gave. There is no other expression of love with God except when you act it out. I am not saying don't sing the song. I love you. But God is the same. What are they saying? Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 8 says something. He said, I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love. So God is saying, See, I am not, I am always testing how sincere that love is. Do you know how he was testing Peter? He was testing Peter because Peter first of all said, I, I love you. I love you. The, the third time Peter began to cry. <laughs> because God was testing. You say you love me, really? Let's test this out. Let's test this out. That is why when you watch the film, The Passion of Christ, it is not called The Suffering of Christ, it is called His Passion. So as we, as, as, I, as I try to bring you to understand that God is saying, He's asking that I need, there is potential in you, but that potential cannot achieve anything except he decides to dedicate himself before me.
Jesus said, Then he said to them, Hold, anyone who desires to come after me must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So what God is saying here, Jesus is saying that it is not a Sunday, Sunday medicine. It has to be a daily activity. If So what does this mean? If I am not prepared to take it daily, what does that mean? I am not following Jesus. And they say I am following him. But Jesus is saying, by your you are not following me. Does that make sense? But there are so many people that say, I'm following Jesus. But the people that Jesus is saying, you know, you are not following me, sorry. <laughs> Jesus clearly said it. This is his own statement. This is the requirement of following me. It is not by, you know, oh, Jesus, no, it, doesn't, it has no clue you are following him. His statement is clear. You must take up this cross on a daily basis. So I am going to bring you to this location in the scriptures as I try to build around so that you can see exactly what God is pointing at. When you read Luke, Mark chapter um, 14 verse 32 the Bible says then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane and he sat sorry and his disciples said to him sorry and he said to his disciples sit here while I pray we all have that testimony amen but I'm going to also point out a couple of things to you Let's go and look at that scripture again in Luke chapter 22. Please, when you look at this, it says, Luke chapter 22, 39 to 43. It says, coming out, he went to the Mount of Holies as he was accustomed. And his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to, he, he said to them, pray, that you may not enter temptation. Yes. And he went and redrew himself about a stone throw away and he prayed. Please notice that when Jesus came to a place, the Bible says that is the regular place he normally goes to pray. That place is called the Mount of Holies. He now decided to look for another location Within that mountain area, the Bible says a stone throw. You know what the Bible calls a stone throw now, but you know, <laughs> a stone throw. So you understand what the Bible says a thousand days is like. Uh -huh. Amen. So I tried to use my phone. Can I have next slide, please? I tried to look, use my phone. This is Testament, and that is the Mount of Holies. It's just 15 minutes walk. It's a stone throw. So people who say that that pastor walks too much. It's, it's a stone throw. So Jesus left here. He came in here, probably was around this area, and he went to Gethsemane. 
This is the normal place he normally he, he prays all the time. But he now went to this location. Why, why was it at this time that Jesus chose a different location within that same area? Does this make sense? Now, Mount of Olives is as simple as what the name is called. It is a place where they grow olives. You have loads of olives around there. But what is this Gestiman? Now, if you go to the next slide, please. Gestiman is what you call in English. But if you see a Jewish man, they don't call it Gestiman, they call it Gat Shema. So that means the place, that means the place of pressing. What are they pressing? The hall. Holies. So they, please, can I know the previous one? They go, they collect the holies here and they break them here. This is the place where you pray and God gives you the potentials. But he expects you to come here to the place where that, that olive is crushed so that the, 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 the blessings in it can be, can come forth. But for most of us, we are still here at the Mount of Olives. And God is saying, it is not, you are prayed enough. I need you to go to Gethsemane. At the place where I need you to lay down your life. Does this make sense? So Jesus knew, in fact, is it not interesting that he let his disciples are here? Because that is the place where people sleep. You know, the Bible says when they pray small, they sleep small. Those ones are not ready. You say, you know, let the boys be here. Now, no matter what potential, what God is laying in your heart, He's saying that if you are not ready to come to Gethsemane, see, do you know that Jesus has been talking to people, I'm going to die. The Bible never said he cried. But he got to Gethsemane. See, you can talk about your dream. God is going to use me. I know how he's going to use me. Yeah, and see, Jesus said that. You know, it is normal conversation. There is no wahala. Talk is cheap. Mm-hmm. But when he came to Gethsemane, <laughs> the tongue, you know, the, the conversation began to change. Does this make sense to us? I am getting some of this. So you see him just two slides ahead, the Bible says that he's at a place where he is praying. Now, I want to take you through the process of what is happening here. When you go, this is how, this is one of the places where, can I? Now, if you look at, I don't know if this is visible enough, but this is like, this, in this place, that's where they put the olives. Now, this big wheel of stone, 
they now use that wheel of stone to begin to ground it. Amen. So we are on life class pictures, but people are watching. Amen. Okay, so does it make it clear now? Are we together? So they put the they put the the olives inside here, and they would have to start to ground it with this massive stone. Because except that olive is grounded, it is only only good for for entertainment. You cannot get anything valuable from it. There's a lady called Christine Kane. Christine Kane is one of the senior pastors in Hillsong. And she was saying, please, I'm not necessarily talking about her job, but she was saying that, he said, we see a lot, I see a lot of gifts, annoying, annoying, gifts that has potential, but they are always not going. There is no crushing. So they only entertain. There is nothing that's coming out of it. He said, that is our heart cry when we see all those things. Because it is easy, but until you come here, does this make sense to us? Now, let me take it a step further. For you to see what exactly happens here, when they grant that olive, they now bring it here where they press it. Have you ever seen these two oils? We are okay. Amen. <laughs> one is called virgin oil, and the other one is called just the ordinary holy oil. What is the difference? The virgin oil is the first press. That is the one that the Jews use in offering to God. Because that is the purest. You do not, you can, you, if you speak to a Jewish man, they do not give God, the second press, the first press, which is the purest, is what God demands. That is the oil that they use to anoint priests. That's the oil that they use for the menorah. That's the oil that they use to anoint kings. Are we together? So, if it is not first press, it cannot be used. Are we together? Mm -hmm. The second press is the one that they use for perfumes. 
or things that people, human beings used to, people used to cream and things like that. That is the second press that they get out of it. Maybe they use it to cook also. The third press is what cannot be used. All they use it for is to light up their candles. Question, which of these press are you giving to God? We know that you are not, we know that you are going through pressing. It's not a problem. But which one is, are you offering God? Is it the first press or the second press or the third? Well, I'm not even talking about are you, is, is that, are you, are you anointed? Are you, but what I'm asking you, what God is asking us, is that which press of oil are you using? Is your own virgin oil, or is this oil anyway? In fact, the modern one they do, they call it extra virgin. Although that is just semantics, it's nothing. It's, it's only three times the presence. So that's why Jesus went to pray. How many times? Three times. because I think it's important that as you bring yourself and as God begins to crush it when the first extraction comes out of you where does it go? Is it first for your family? Or is that first extraction for God? That's why Jesus said, when that tree, when that wheat, if it does not fall down or die, he's only useful to himself. He's not useful to anybody, neither the kingdom of God. Like Christine Gaines said, it's not, that, it's not that they will not be there, you would see them, but those who know the original, when they come around, they know there is nothing there. Even the devil has no problem with them. Can, can allow them, you know, entertain people. So I don't know. God is asking us. You have that thing in you, but you are some of us we are stuck at Gestemann. Where we are we are careful not to be pressed. And God is saying, you know, that that kind of olive is only good for themselves. But the olive that I want, I want to go to Gestiman. Some of us are in Gestiman where God is demanding as he's pressing. But you're saying, no, I cannot give this. I need to give that to some people first. I need to, it's about, I need, I need to feel good about this. May God help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I put on the lights, please? Just, amen. Amen. So I think as we draw this to a close, which press of oil are you bringing? Which press are you bringing? Is it the first? Is it the second? Or is it the last? 
See, when Peter was about to be praised, Jesus said, see, he said, what did he say? He said, if you love me, you will feed my sheep. You cannot say you love God and not be passionate about yourself. It is not scriptural. I am just telling you the truth. Go, the only person that God said, this man is after my house, and my, my heart. Who was it? David. What was the hallmark of the house, of the life of David? He built God. He, he, he committed himself to the building of God's house. It is impossible. Scripturally impossible. I'm not saying people don't say it. But it is scripturally impossible to not be passionate about his house. I say you love him. It doesn't make sense. That is why when you see the only place you see Jesus go hungry is in the church. <laughs> because that is the only place the passion is expressed. And you see a lot of people say, you know, ah, I am passionate for God. I love him. You know, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't work that way. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. God help us in Jesus' name. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, Eyes have not seen, in their head have, and ears heard, nor has it come into the heart of men. The things that God has prepared for those that love Him. But what I am saying, oh God, is this love has a definition by God. And doesn't include raising up your hands. If you love God, you will be concerned about people. Those are the proofs. You'll be concerned about his house. You'll be passionate for his word. You'll be concerned about the life of people. That's why he told Peter. He said, feed my sheep. They cannot go hungry. Make sure they are healthy. Make sure they know me. Amen. Amen. Another, another thing that God will guarantee is that in Psalm 91, he says, because he has set his love upon me, therefore, that's for this reason, this is the reason why I respond, therefore I would, I will set him up on high because he has known my name. He said, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. Another I will tell, tell you that I would honor him. Why? Because he has set his love on me. It doesn't give me second press. It doesn't give me thought. It gives me the very first one. Hallelujah. Then, oh sorry, um, Matthew chapter... Matthew chapter 24, verse 10 to 12. You know, this is one thing that Jesus said to us. He was talking about the last days. I'll read that verse 11 and 12. He said, then false prophets will arise. They will deceive many. 
Because lawlessness will abound, the love of pe many people will grow cold. Is it, see, this is one thing that I love about this part. It did not say that they will not love. It's saying their love will be cold. Let me read a scripture before I, a second Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to read from verse 1 to 5. And I'll take it back to the part where Jesus, please remember when Jesus said that when a tree, so when a seed refuses to fall into the ground and dies, it remains on its own. That means he looks after himself. See what Timothy said. He said, but now, in the last days, a perilous time shall come. Men, first qualification, men will be lovers of themselves. What Jesus said, they will not want to come to guess the man. They would, the seed will be for his own. I want, you know, what is in it for me? No, 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 no. I, I can't, I can't, you know, I have my life to live. Jesus said, the, the, Timothy said, the first thing you are going to see are going to be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boasters, blasphemers, disobedience, prayer from pang, food, unholy. See, uh, he, when you read verse 4, he said, traitors, strong-headed, haughty, said, lovers of pleasure. See, he did not say you don't enjoy pleasure. They will be lovers of pleasure rather than the lovers of God. Before you begin to look outside and look at people that don't know God, read verse 5. He says, having a form of godliness. Where do you see godly people? I love Jesus. He said, having a form of godliness, but denying his power. Where does power come from? Guess the man. He said, from such people, turn away. They love pleasure rather than God. The way they prioritize things. You know, my safety is important. I saw a woman two or three weeks, um, two, th three weeks ago now. She just came back from a country um, in Asia. Very lovely white woman. She was sleeping on the floor in one of these Asian countries, literally on the floor, she just puts a cloth on the floor where she sleeps. Because she, won, she went there to make sure the light of the gospel is seen. She was there for about three months or so, or four months, that people began to know about Jesus. When she stepped into the room, even before she spoke, you could sense the power, because that is where power comes from. Power does not come from lay hands on me. 
Those hands are empty. I believe one thing God is asking me and you. I get that you are spiritual, but leave the Mount of Holies to come to Gethsemane. That is where those that make difference have. That is where you would, that is where you would, you would, you would get crossed so that that blessing that you keep seeing in your dreams will actually become a reality. But if you are not ready to be broken, if it is about, you know, and that is one thing that when you hear, when I hear someone, at times when I hear their hearts, when I when you see see these men, and you know, they were saying, you know, we, we hope that people do not think that we are here for pleasure. Where are you on the map? Can we get the slide back up to that place, please? Just the place where you have the map. Thank you, ma'am. Where are you here? Locate yourself on this map. Are you at Mount of Olives? Yeah, you're, you're praying. We, we like the way you pray. You pray on Sunday. You just, you know, it's not, it's about you. But God is saying, no, you, you need to live here to come here. If you really want to become a tree that everybody begins to come on, you must really take that job. And that is what I feel God is calling us to this morning, is the journey to Gestamon. Where you would dedicate yourself to the life, to the service of God. Where you will not be concerned about, you know, oh, what, 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 what goes. Somebody challenged me once. I'm not easy. See, I just shared my own testimony to you. Ah, you are not. Hey, your mind, your mind is going to break. I said, I said, the Lord builds a house. Those who build it, to build it. God, I felt God laid in my heart a couple of weeks ago. He said to us, people should make covenant with him. How many of us remember? But one thing I just felt also is that people just made covenant, they did not know what exactly he was asking for. Can I say, as long as Jesus is here, he can only impact Israel. Until he comes here, he's not ready to impact the world. So it might be good for yourself and your family. So you pray for your boy, pray for Cecilia, everybody's okay. Hallelujah. And that's such a waste. God is taking us as a church into greater levels this year, but he's requiring that people come to Gethsemane, lay down themselves to the program before him. 
Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.